Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. A huge day of sport, huge weekend of sport uh, kicking off today. Munster got their win in the Champions Cup over Exeter. Um, nobody wants top four in the Premier League. Everyone's throwing away points, but United somehow got over the line thanks to Ronaldo Hattrick. We'll hear from that later. Liverpool defeated Man City 3-2 in the FA Cup semi-final. We'll also dig into that. Of course, we preview Cork versus Limerick with Shawnee McGrath and TJ Ryan, the big one tomorrow at Parky Quive. Of course, I'll be there myself. We also recap Cork City's nil-all draw last night. Rockmount won their semi-final in the Intermediate Cup, the FAI Intermediate Cup, and uh, we'll hear from their manager later on, as well as Peter O'Mahony after Munster's big win. That's all coming up before seven. Yeah, Aidan Lee here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM on the big red bench. Uh, currently Galway 119, Wexford 116, I'd say, as Lee Chin sends that over the bar. 69 minutes gone. It's like 10 seconds left there of normal time. So, big win for Galway. That's a huge win for either of those sides. Galway, of course, are looking like they're going to get the win. But um, in terms of the round robin, this was a, a tight one between these two teams. Um, probably look at the draw, really, getting this game at this stage stage um, you know maybe prefer to be playing the likes of an Offaly or, or sorry not Offaly but the likes of a, a, West, a Westmeath at this stage in the competition uh, but uh, yeah big uh, big result either way there uh, as Galway five minutes added on looked like they're going to see that out um, yeah we'll stick with the hurling we'll, 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 we'll go back to the hurling a little bit later on obviously we'll preview Cork versus Limerick Sean McGrath and TJ Ryan uh, spoke to me about that um, huge game can't wait for that uh, I'll be there tomorrow as I said so uh, looking forward to unfortunately the weather doesn't sound like it's going to be great with yellow weather warnings and all that but look it should be a classic either way we'll start by recapping the day football action and uh, in the early kickoff, Tottenham slipped up in their race to reach the Champions League next season Antonio Conte's side were beaten late on by Brighton 1-0 Conte spoke after the game Terrible results um, and a performance I mean how do you explain that? Yeah but uh, for sure not a good uh, a good result for us and uh, a lesson that uh, we we can learn today that uh, there are games that if you are not able to go to win, you are not to lose. And uh, it was very, very clear that today uh, it wasn't our day. But I understand that we want to try to get three points because uh, it was very important for us to get three points to play before of the other our rivals in the race for the Champions League. Uh, but uh, sometimes, uh, and uh, we need, you know, we need to to feel. Uh, and today, the the the, the game was uh, was very difficult. It was very difficult because it was a tactical game for both sides. And um, Brighton was very good to close every space. I think that we helped our opponent. Uh, in this uh, in this job because uh, we moved the the, the ball uh, uh, slowly and uh, yeah I think that we are we are able to do much better than uh, than uh, than today maybe the the final result uh, more fair was uh, was a draw 
but Brighton played a really good game and uh, uh, is a really good team, well organized and uh, with a good manager. And uh, you don't win uh, if you win against Arsenal and Tottenham away. It means that uh, you, um, the team is uh, is a good team. Funnily enough, still somehow slightly more positive than Jose Mourinho was when he was in the job. Uh, Manchester United needed a hat-trick from Cristiano Ronaldo to get past Norwich and keep their top four hopes alive. In fairness, the hat-trick goal, the free kick, was pretty good. Smashed it right across the keeper. Darren Stanage was at Old Trafford. Manchester United 3, Norwich 2, Cristiano Ronaldo the hero once again. A 60th career hat-trick to win the game. The Reds 2 up inside half an hour. Elanga Rob Gibson to give Ronaldo a tap-in. He headed on his second from Matelli's corner totally one way traffic United on top and then Norwich scored just before the break Dow headed home on Mark that gave the visitors hope and they were level seven minutes after the restart Dow played Puki and who scored off the post and the visitors looked likelier to score and the host far too easy to play against but on 76 minutes Ronaldo grabbed his hat-trick firing home a 30-yard free kick United 3 Norwich 2 yeah, a couple of thousand fans uh, protesting outside the ground and inside the, the kind of tunnels as well around Old Trafford. Before the game, uh, a few fans held out on, on going to their seats before the match. As the Glacier protests continue, um, I think it's actually it's kind of a new wave of protests now. I think they're led by a group called the 1958 rather than the uh, the Green and Gold uh, group from you know 10 years ago plus. Um, so, uh, well, look, I don't know if much is going to change in terms of United's ownership, but... Um, We'll see, I suppose, what bearing the Chelsea uh, ownership debacle is going to have on it. And you know, if there's people willing to buy Chelsea for two billion, you'd have to imagine there's somebody out there willing to buy United for two or three billion as well. Uh, Southampton have put the brakes on Arsenal's top four challenge this afternoon. They beat the Gunners one 0 at St Mary's. Like I said, nobody wants top four. Peter Hood was there. Southampton won Arsenal nil. The Gunners failed to take advantage of their neighbours' slip up earlier in the day as they slipped to a defeat. The only goal coming from Jan Bedrek on the stroke of half time. A string of super saves by Fraser Forster guaranteed the win and Southampton were able to keep a clean sheet. It's not a good day for Arsenal. They had numerous chances but the saves of Forster were the, gen- were the difference and it finished Southampton 1, Arsenal 0. Yeah, like I said, I think uh, there was a similar uh, top four race um, Possibly, oh, I can't remember what year it was. I think Van Hal was in charge of United, and absolutely nobody would take their chance to capitalise on another team uh, losing out. But Arsenal still have a, a game in hand on both uh, United and Tottenham. Arsenal are 31 games played, 54 points. They're in sixth. United, 32 games played, 54 points. And Tottenham, 32 games played, 57 points. So uh, it is interesting. It was looking like it might just be uh, Arsenal running away with it a couple of weeks ago, but they've really slipped up. I don't really know how. Uh, but uh, yeah, all of the goodwill that was there for Arteta has quickly turning around, as it so often does in, in the Premier League with, with Premier League fans. But um, elsewhere in the Premiership, Brentford beat Watford 2 1 in Beach Reports. It's finished. Watford 1, Brentford 2. Brentford scored. 
with almost the last kick of the game. It was ahead of him, in fact, by Christian Norgard. A free kick launched into the box by Christian Eriksen. Norgard came steaming into the box and headed home. Seconds before that, Watford could have won it themselves. Josh King hit the post from close range when it seemed like the goal was gaping. Watford have become only the second team in the history of English football. Top flight to lose 10 consecutive home games and it's difficult to see them getting out of it now. Watford won, Brent. Yeah, poor Watford there. Um, Lee Chin is about to level things here. Unbelievably, Wexford have had an unbelievable five minutes of added time. It's all level at Wexford Park. Lee Chin sends it over the bar, 119 to 119. That is huge. Um, that round robin, Leinster Championship. The roundabout Leinster Championship not really being exciting uh, this year and over the last couple of years, but this is going to make for a great round robin series and the referee could not wait to blow that whistle the minute the ball was bucked out at a level game 122 apiece there Henry Shefflin's Galway his first championship game as manager as uh, was Darren Egan's as well with uh, Wexford Um, but uh, yeah uh, 122 apiece Good result in terms of competitiveness for for uh, for an interesting championship to watch on. Um, I, to be honest with you, I wonder if Cork would take a draw tomorrow against Limerick. Um, but I think particularly when it's the two you know two sides that are kind of fancied to get out. You know, um, a draw there probably isn't too bad a result for for either side. But um, yeah, I suppose uh, we'll we'll see how how tomorrow compares in the, in the Munster Championship. Um, back to the football and the FA Cup semi final. Strange timings for the FA Cup semi finals. Half three on a Saturday all because of the uh, trains and everything like that sure everyone's coming from the one area uh, up in the northwest. Uh, Liverpool beat Man City they were 3-0 up uh, City scored 2 uh, to get it back to 3-2 but uh, they have reached uh, another Wembley final this time in the FA Cup Chris Cave reports full time Manchester City 2 Liverpool 3 and Pep Guardiola's side certainly made Liverpool sweat towards the end of that match after going in at the break 3-0 down after goals from Canate from a corner and 2 from Sadio Mane City struck back seconds into the second half through Jack Grealish and then again late on as Bernardo Silva tapped home to set the nerves jangling but Liverpool held on and they will be playing at Wembley to go for their first FA Cup crown in 16 years next month against either Chelsea or Crystal Palace who play tomorrow jubilant scenes from the red half of Wembley the FA Cup semi-finals finished Manchester City 2 Liverpool 3 Yes, some uh, interesting news uh, during that game as well. Uh, Manchester City, uh, this is a statement uh, released uh, from Manchester City during the game, strangely enough. Um, uh, City say they're extremely disappointed after some of the club's fans interrupted a minute's silence to remember victims of the Hillsborough disaster before the... uh, It was before, actually, sorry, I got confused before. I thought it was before the game at the weekend uh, at at the Etihad. This is actually today at, at Wembley. That's why the statement came out, I suppose. So, so quickly and actually before the full-time whistle but yeah it was before today's FA Cup semi-final at Wembley uh, they've apologised to Liverpool Manchester City after a section of supporters chanted during the moment of reflection referee Michael Oliver cut the minute short because of this, the disruption caused uh, yeah really not good not good scenes at all um, I think especially you know I support United and uh, look 
United and City are big rivals but you like to think that well most of the United fans would respect uh, the Hillsborough disaster in the same way that most Liverpool fans would respect the Munich Air disaster um, so yeah that's it, not really good scenes there um, by the City fans but I suppose there's not much the club can do about it only release a statement like that which they have uh, but yeah that concludes the uh, football roundup for now and from across the water at least we'll get back to uh, more domestic matters after the break but uh, first uh, as we said it's Munster Championship time and it doesn't feel like it I was saying this to the lads it doesn't feel like Munster Championship time it's April it's weird but uh, it's been a bit of a uh, sombre kind of start in the build up it's, the excitement isn't really there as, as when it's you know starting off at the end of May or June or whatever but uh, yeah spoke to Shawnee McGrath anyway he gave his thoughts ahead of the huge game at Parky Cueve tomorrow Shawnee joins me now ahead of the big game at Parky Cueve tomorrow I suppose first of all um, you know I, I, although it doesn't really feel like it this weekend it's you know the start of the Munster Championship for yourself when you were a player what kind of emotions would you have the week leading into the first game I look it was all excitement Aidan um, obviously it, it, it's a lot earlier I suppose than traditionally which was maybe the end of May start of June but I don't think the players they know from a good couple of months out the, the, the calendar year so you know, all this week would be about getting over the disappointment of the league final um, just you know keeping the touch in and making sure the fitness levels are good and strong and mad eager and mad excited it's a fantastic occasion championship is what it's all about so I say this week the players no, they'll be chopping at the bit for, for obvious reasons. One, because it's championship. And as I said, two, just to get that old disappointment from the league final out of your system. Um, and please God, they come with the right attitude, the first intensity now tomorrow. Now, what are your own memories from playing Limerick in the Munster Championship? Um, I suppose you would have played them back when there was no back door as well. Yeah, we, we played them a few times. And um, the one thing you always got was um, they were always very, very physical and in your face. Um, super hurlers. I mean, that time they had... Kieran Carey, um, they had Mike Galligan, um, they had Gary Kirby, a superb free taker. Um, and I suppose a standout moment that a lot of people have been sort of, um, from our perspective, from a negative perspective, with Cork, um, you know, the, the famous line ball that Barry Foley took in 2001, and they beat us by a pint in the park. Um, and at the time, I suppose we were probably favourites, um, and people expected us to advance to, to the Munster final, but that famous pint underneath the stand, it was a marvellous score. So all different memories are, are brought back, but. Um, when you played Limerick you always got a massive battle and you'd expect the same you'd expect the Cork players to get pretty much the same tomorrow Yeah you touched on it there like the league final was obviously disappointing but it's just about the reaction now It is um, like I, I think they didn't do themselves justice in that league final um, they had a good campaign up to it a couple of players went into the game nursing some injuries and it was obvious on the night that they were, weren't motoring that well but like they're the excuses. At the end of the day, the team didn't perform well. Kieran and the management will know that. Um, a lot of the game plan stuff that they obviously had been working on broke down, and they just couldn't handle that onslaught. I suppose from the Waterford backs and midfielders, they just seemed to attack on mass. They were always a supporting player, and we just seemed to lack an unbelievable amount of energy on the night or accuracy up front as well. Forwards have to take responsibility. Um, everyone talks, I suppose, about the. You know, the, the, the multitude of options we have up, up in the attack but we just didn't score enough with ferocious whites as well so all those things need to be sorted out tomorrow the attack needs to be sharper more focused the defence needs to be tighter um, and they need to get more energy from, from midfield so please God if all those things get tied up um, we'll get a result Like there's a fear as well with a loss like that sometimes you might lose a bit of faith in the system you're playing which when you're only two weeks out from championship like that would not be a great thing to happen so it's just a case I suppose of reaffirming your your system and and your and like you said, bringing the energy to match that system is probably what what needs to happen. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely, Aidan. I mean, I mean, the obvious, I suppose, is, um, you know, you get a heavy defeat like that, a multitude of changes and abandon and go back to maybe a more traditional style. But um, I look, at, at the end of the day, Cork have, you know, tried to play to a game plan and to a style of play. It's not everyone's cup of tea, let's be honest. I don't think it is. But, you know, it got some results. They did very, very well in the earlier parts of the league. I think the Wexford game wasn't a true reflection. They were experimenting a bit. But, I mean, what they're doing is they're playing a very patient game. They're maybe crowding in and around that middle third and then trying to create space inside with half-forwards coming out very, very far. They're trying to, you know, stick with the Mark Coleman um, game of playing in that central position and not wandering and following Keane Lynch too much. No, I don't think that. I think that's overplayed a little bit. I think, yeah. like, the Bocca... Declan Hannon and these guys Hannon in particular with Limerick always holds the centre but what he gets then is the guys outside him from his half hours and from midfield particularly Willa Donoghue doing incredible work and I think Cork are kind of expecting the same from their half forward line which is why I expect a small change there and definitely from midfield and that's why I'd like to George Miller gets playing in there he's got a defensive mind there's a lot of his um, hurling with Father Nails in defence so he's a kind of a defending midfielder and that then gives Mark the um, option of holding the centre keeping the spine intact if you want maybe taking a few sharp puck outs and then launching you know great attacks and he's such a brilliant striker of the ball so I think that's sort of their game plan in a nutshell and I think it would be silly at this stage to abandon it um, they have to stick to it and almost go for broke Do you think we'll see Kieran Joyce further up the field I think there was a bit of disappointment almost when he was named in the full back line in the league final is he someone you want to see in you know wing back with the ability to get up the field when, when he has the chance I would, yeah. And, and I think, look, the, the, the hand that Cork were dealt with in the final was such that, you know, they had a couple of injuries. Darrow Leary probably would have started in the full-back line. Lloyd Leary would have started in the full-back line. Hence, you were left maybe with... That's, I don't I don't to say that in a negative way because yeah. I think Ciarán uh, Joyce is a, is a bang on to start. But I think in the league final, they were left with what they had and they had to play him in there. But when you're watching the games, most teams play with, you know, two and even at times one in the full, for, full forward line. So... As a defender, you're nailed maybe full-back, but you're kind of in the full-back line. So Kieran Joyce was named cornerback, but he probably spent a lot of the game, I watched the game, was that it? Like he spent a lot of the game out in that half-back half line, yeah. following his man out. So while he was named there, he had a mobile role, but I would expect him to start in the half-back line. Um, but just to your point, like like what I would hope from the Cork defence as well, and yes, we want Phyllis coming up the field and scoring and creating overlaps, but look, ultimately when you're in that you know, number two to six position or two to seven, you're there to defend. So I hope the Cork defence are teak tough, really, really tight and close. Um, follow their man as much as possible. Obviously, Mark Coleman holding, but hold, you know, stay, stay close. Give, don't give up any yards. and um, Be in their face. Um, keep the score nice and tight. And then as a bonus, if you can get up the field, then, you know, obviously launch the attacks. But from a Kiran Jai's point of view, yes, I hope he's playing in the half-back line. Now, the Laird is coming back from injury, so I expect him then maybe to cover the full-back line. No, Limerick are just like, you don't know what to make Limerick because obviously you can't put much stock in what happened in the league. Um, and now there's almost like a fear of the unknown with Limerick. They've somehow gone from, you know, it was all, all fine making a few jibes at them at the start of the league and they're losing a few games. But like, you know, you'd kind of fear what they're going to turn up with Sunday because you just don't know what, what way they're going to be. Yeah, I personally wouldn't put any stock into the league from their perspective. I think if they had a great league campaign or a mediocre league campaign, which is what they had, um, everything I think around their training regime um, the way they've been preparing I mean the, the amount of mileage that's in the legs as well they're going for their what is it four and five uh, going for a three in a row all their titles so that brings a game management thing into the psyche into the setup. It it, it it you know lends itself to a player that is, is, is inexperienced and can handle a loss 
you know, knowing that the ultimate prize really is to get yourself in peak fitness for a championship. So I think all season they were preparing for this championship. Um, I think they were doing a lot, an awful lot of heavy work. So I'd expect a vicious onslaught from them on, on, on Sunday, irrespective of the fact that Flanagan is out, that Peter Casey is out. You know, they've got two able guys coming in. Graham Mulcahy has titles under his belt. He might be pushing on, but he's a very, very experienced player. And he really plays to that game plan. If they're going to concede puck outs and let the Cockfell back line have it, like none better than Mulcahy to close you down. David Reedy has been a super sub. Maybe it's his time to step up. And it's not too long ago that Seamus Flanagan had the same tag. And now he's classed as an automatic starter. A couple of years ago, he was one of those super subs. So who's to say that Reedy is the next man to come in there? Then they have fantastic um, options on the line. They have Colin Collin in defence. Pat Ryan, who has scored, um, well able to score, and has come on in the past and done it in championship games. And obviously then the young lad, Carl O'Neill, who got a sensational yeah. goal lately for the Limerick under-20. So when you look at that, as regards their starting team and their subs, and then maybe what they were planning all year, I just think it's going to be a ferocious first 10 minutes and Cockney to match that toe-to-toe. I suppose the fact that it's a sold out Parky Cueve hopefully that crowd will help drive Cork on in that first uh, those opening stages yeah I mean obviously there'll be a big Limerick crowd come to the game but um, there just seems to be a bit of a buzz around town I think Cork are going to come in ferocious numbers and yeah they really need the crowd to get behind them and like any time I was involved as a player or in management our manager always said look get the, get the crowd with you I mean if you get the Cork crowd with you there's nothing better so a couple of early scores you know, just, just as I said, going toe-to-toe, you know, make sure the shoulders are in there, make sure there's good hooks and blocks. I mean, they can get the crow going as much. Yeah. Nice and tight, plenty of intensity. No dirt, but plenty of intensity. If we can match them in those stakes and get a couple of early scores, get the crow behind us early, you'll be hoping to, to, to come for a few scores anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I often leave you off light here in these chats. I rarely ask you for a prediction, so I made sure I wrote it down this time to remind me. <laughs> Give us a prediction for tomorrow. Well, I was doing something the other night and I picked Cork um, and it was very marginal and I'm, I'm just wondering was it maybe as much a hometown decision and a parochial decision as that? And then, look, I'll stick with Cork. Um, I'll stick with Cork in, but I would say like that, just, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be, even though it's early and sometimes the early games can be a bit, you know, lacking something. I don't think there'll be nothing lacking in this. There'll be intensity, there'll be plenty of rivalry. Um, it's a huge game like say Limerick are out in six days time against Waterford Cork do have their two week break yeah. but I think a defeat for Cork would do a bit of damage to the psyche in the camp whereas Limerick might maybe be able to rebound so there's loads of things at stake apart from the fact that it's a championship game Limerick have to keep the intensity up and, and go to Waterford not hoping that they'd badly need a result Cork has to get a repaired um, ego stuff sorted out so you know there's loads at stake but just marginally I'm going to stay with Cork Well hopefully hopefully you're right anyway uh, Shani thanks a million and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow Great stuff. Thanks, Aiden. Cheers, bye. Yeah, Shawnee, they're uh, ahead of tomorrow's big game and hopefully his prediction comes through. Uh, I think you'll imagine TJ Ryan has a bit of a different prediction for tomorrow. Here he is, uh, Limerick legend, of course, TJ Ryan, form, former player and manager, and uh, this is what he uh, thinks is going to pan out tomorrow at the park. All right, delighted to say that I am joined by Limerick legend TJ Ryan to get uh, a view from the opposition ahead of tomorrow's big game. TJ, thanks for coming on the big red bench. Thanks, Aidan. You'll be delighted to know I'm just shouting for the Reds here, sitting at home, and we're tuning up. Things looking okay. <laughs> yeah, it's great, great going. Uh, ho- you won't be shouting for the Reds tomorrow, of course. Uh, won't be for the Reds tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose um, I was I was talking to to Shawnee McGrath earlier, and we were just talking about how it's kind of an unseasonable Munster Championship. You know, it's in April; it's earlier than usual. But um, I suppose as a player, you still get all the same feelings uh, heading into the championship. 
You certainly would. And I, I had the privilege of being down in your beautiful new stadium um, on Thursday night and it looks unbelievable. The surface looked great. And sure, you'd be mad to be playing Championship Hurling on Sunday. You, you, you'd just love to be still out there. So, yeah, you'd certainly look forward to it and look for a couple of players. It might be their first Championship game. And I suppose, look, we're fortunate in Limerick at the moment that we have a very good side. And we have had a couple of very fruitful years. And, but look, this is a new championship. And I suppose we are all very, very much aware that the Munster Championship usually throws up a couple of results that you might have seen coming. And I'm sure 2022 will be no different. Uh, we're just speaking as well about memories from when you were playing yourselves. And Shawnee mentioned the Barry Foley sideline. What are your memories from playing Cork in the championship? Yeah, my, my memories aren't too bad, actually. We, we, we definitely got a couple of beatings that you, you, you don't like to remember. And look... You know, sometimes what they say about memories are beautiful and what's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. So I'm like a little bit kind of in, in, in that mould. My debut in 1994 in the Gaelic Grounds was actually happened to be against Cork and the Rain. It was, it was, it was a good start and we, we won that game and went on to win the Munster final in 94. So, yeah, you, you usually, as I said, you remember, you remember the nice ones. A couple of great battles down through the years. Cork had a couple of great teams there as well in the late 90s and obviously in, 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 in the middle of the... The, the, the new century so look struggled a little bit recently I suppose Cork they, they have their Munster Championships and most recently got to an All-Ireland final and got to a league final so they're obviously doing an awful lot right and look I'm sure that they want to put the, the result of a couple of weeks ago to the back of their minds to get on with things tomorrow but from the green side of the house you know Championship has been very good to us in the last couple of years we're a little bit concerned about our league form this year that it wasn't maybe where we'd like it to be even though we didn't have full teams out but we all know just look I suppose this championship is what we'll all be judged on at the end of the day and I'm sure 2022 will be no different Yeah like it's a bit strange we don't really know what way Limerick are where are they on the road and that's kind of a bit scary as well like you know Yeah fair comment though as, as, as you said like if, if, you, if you look for our championship form it's still like our, our last championship game was against Cork in the final which was probably our best performance over the years but uh the league form left a little bit. I thought that we might have been a little bit better towards the end of the league. I know we didn't have brilliant teams early doors, but or maybe half teams. But look, I, I, I still think that our handling and some of the errors we made in the league wouldn't be good enough for championship. The lads are fully aware of that. We've had our few weeks to prepare. Cork has had the matches in the semi-final of the league and the final of the league. And I suppose we probably won't know until maybe quarter, 10 to 5 or 5 o'clock as to whether which team prepared better for the championship and as I said that's where everybody will be examined this championship Yeah like both teams come into this um, probably not at the peak of confidence Cork obviously uh, were pretty confident before the league final but uh, they both have gotten that kick up the backside I suppose from the league and like they'll both be eager to impress and show what they're capable of tomorrow yeah, I would I would agree with you there. I was at the league final and, you know, I thought maybe at seven points all there at one stage that um, Cork were coming back into the game nicely and then they shipped a couple of goals. And look, if they fix that and maybe fix their defensive sides of the game, and I think they have to, I think that they'll have a right say in the game, no doubt about that. But that, that, that seems to be a little bit of an issue for them over the last couple of games. So once, once they can kind of stop the concession of goals, obviously in any championship, you have a right chance. And you said there, from Limerick's point of view, um, Limerick's team is named. We're missing two of our full forward line in Jamie Flanagan and Peter Casey. It doesn't take me to explain how influential those two players have been in the forwards for the last couple of years. They're huge players for us. They're definitely a big loss. And, you know, we have, obviously, uh, David Reedy and Graham O'Kane playing in state uh, who are very good players in their own right. But look, at this stage, everybody that's up here for 15 is a loss. 
do you expect Carlo O'Neill to be influential in, in the championship obviously he made a few highlights there over the, the last couple of weeks with a great goal in the under 20s uh, tell me a small bit about him yeah, well, Carl, I would say with, with through our school reach and maybe through the underage academy in Limerick uh, is, is a name that we would have been very familiar with for a long time. Um, very good for the Limerick minors, very good for Limerick under twenties already this year. So still very young. Uh, only did his leave insert uh, last year. He played freshers hurling in UL. The uh, year just gone, and I think they actually happened to win the outright championship in, in, in the freshers. So exciting player, good rangy forward, scoring forward, and I think we all know up and down the country the type of player scoring forwards are tricky to find so yeah exciting um, he's on the bench I'm sure we'll see him at some stage uh, I don't agree with this rule that uh, the under 20s once they play senior they can't play under 20 anymore but look it is, it is what it is and it's going to be a, a name that you're going to see on a lot of the limit team sheets over the next number of years Unfortunately, I think the weather forecast for tomorrow isn't great. It might be a bit of a washout, well, at least beforehand anyway. So um, it, it, it won't be a, a dry ground. The ball will probably be a bit greasy as well. But uh, all things considered, how do you think it's going to go tomorrow? Yeah, look, I, I, I've already said that I, I'm expecting Limerick to reignite the spark of championship and try to find last year's form. I think that's what our management team would have been looking for in training for the last number of weeks. We have to... I suppose trust that these guys have got it right very much in the last four years and that they will do it again and I'm hoping that once we do that that our championship form will kick in and it will be fine I would of course be very wary of Cork I would be expecting a big kind of a kickback from that league final because it just didn't go their way and you know the Cork supporters that were there in Torres on the night which was a load from there they never really got that opportunity to get behind the team once the goals went in so I'm sure like for Kieran and his crew they'll be looking to lay down a marker and what better way to do it than to beat the All-Ireland champions in the first round of the championship at home. So plenty to play from, from them. And then on the flip side of that is John will be like to his team to lay down a marker to say, look, we haven't gone away. The talk has been about other teams like Waterford and Cork, etc. We are the reigning All-Ireland champions. We're not going anywhere. Here you go. So beautiful challenge lined up for tomorrow. Absolutely, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, Porky Cueve. And uh, I'd say you're fair enjoying the game as well on TV at the moment. We're training up at half time, so come on, the Reds. <laughs> That's it, all right. TJ, thanks a million. We'll talk to you again. Okay, radio. Right, Tony Yeah, TJ, right. Limerick man there shouting up the Reds at the end of the, the uh, preview for the game tomorrow. Uh, we could easily clip that up if we wanted to. Um, but yeah, coming up after the break, uh, we turn our attention to domestic football. Cork City and Rockmount and as well we'll take a small look at the Munster game all coming up after the break The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Yeah you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM Aidan Lee here with you until 7 and I must apologise to the Westmeath Hurlers because they're giving it a right go against Kilkenny at home uh, 11 points they were it was 11 points to 1-8 it's now 11 points to 1-9 Westmead versus Kilkenny in the Leinster uh, Senior Hurling Championship uh, other than that uh, Tyrone and Fermanagh have just thrown in in the Ulster Champions there's been a black card for Tyrone after one minute and well I, it happened before this so inside the first minute there was a black card for Tyrone um, also black card 
shown today the for probably surely the first black card in the history of hurling shown today in the uh, Kerry game in the Joe McDonough Cup which I presume is a trial thing I didn't know what was happening when it was shown first and nor did Paddy O'Connor of Kilmoyley when he got shown the black card uh, but yeah definitely I would say the first uh, black card uh, that uh, has been shown in hurling I think uh, I'll have to I'm sure some uh, historians might hit me up on that one if they're if they've done something before but not in my memory anyway Kerry did lose the down unfortunately in the Joe McDonough done a cup and that's probably their Joe McDonough cup campaign over with already uh, like you were saying similarly with um, with with Galway and Wexford like either team that lost that would have been really on the back foot and you'd have considered uh, Kerry down and Antrim as the three kind of top teams in that and the fact that Kerry uh, drew down they were at home though they, but they drew down in the first game and uh, have lost them so that is probably their uh, campaign up unfortunately after one game but look plenty I don't know you, you never know there might be a sli- slip up from either Antrim or down so uh, but they'll just have to keep plugging away but uh, it was disappointing as a Kerry man uh, but anyway moving on as we said on to domestic uh, football activities uh, Cork City Last night, unfortunately, not um, not a, uh, the rip-roaring stuff we'd, we'd seen from weeks past. A nil-all draw at Turner's Cross. Uh, that leaves them um, level on top now with Galway United on 20 points each, I think. Uh, yeah, Colin Healy spoke to Rory after the game. Colin, this was a hard-fought game at Turner's Cross tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? It was a um, difficult game. Um, thought we defended very very well um, thought we were sloppy in the first half um, we had a lot of possession but we um, didn't use it as, as well as we should have um, probably better in the second half we had probably a good chance with Keats at the very start um, and as the game went on I thought we were getting stronger and we had a few opportunities with a great chance with Barry Coffey it should have scored should have scored and then probably the last one at the end I, I, I just don't understand why it was a free kick but listen the referees um, give free, free kick out but sure it's, it's one of those days. but you know we, we clean sheet Clean sheet is important, um, but um, you know we look forward now to, to to the Waterford game. And even just before that one, Rory Keating had a big shout for Pendley. Looked like he was pushed over. What was your view on that? Yeah, no. Listen, it's um, yeah. Um, I'm not too sure, but I think the the, the other one was a penalty. The one came coming gone down. I, he, he's blown it for kick, for free, yeah. and it wasn't free kick. It was a free kick. So um, I, we, I've looked back and had that's, that's not a free kick. It's, it's a free kick. It's a penalty when when King goes down. But listen, the referees made that decision. So what can you do? Bray were much improved from when you played them in the opening game of the season. Oh, they, were, they were, and I knew that, and I knew that. Um, they came down. They, um, they had a good game plan to them. They, 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 they probably. Um, made it difficult for us in the first half you know I didn't think we used the ball as well as we should have in the first half and probably caused our own problems but I thought we must be better in the second half um, but um, as I said we just couldn't get the goal but defensively I thought we were, we were very good again Good to see King coming back as well back fit and back in the pitch I know it is it is to say King, King's been up for a while he had um, a tight strain so um, it's good to it's good to get him back in and I said listen he's um, he's a big part of our squad he is I don't know I don't want to be making excuses I suppose it's like when you don't have the game you know when you're when you're off for the week and all that kind of stuff and it's um, but I I'm not going to use that as excuses that we, we just didn't use the ball as well as we should have mm. um, we didn't get balls in behind them and in, in overall play in, in, in true central areas and that we, we weren't great and we weren't getting on the second ball I thought we were, we were sloppy in the first half and you know I thought we were better in the second half um, and it's a great defended well as well like, so maybe maybe a point was um, a fair result in the end no there wasn't there wasn't there wasn't it was just one of those games you know I just thought we were a bit flat tonight um, but we, we had chances to win the game and we didn't take them and you know it's it's 
they're the they're the big ones. If you if you take those chances, you get the three points. But we didn't do that tonight. But it will it will be difficult, as I said. They defended well, um, but I just didn't think we were at it tonight. I just didn't think we were at it tonight, and it was it wasn't one of our performances. Lacked a bit of tempo. Yeah, we did. We did. We lacked a bit of tempo. Yeah, as you said, but I just didn't think we. I didn't think we were at it, and it's probably you know it's probably as yourselves when you look at it, it's just probably not what people are used to seeing in here is that we weren't I just thought we were off at a small bit in second balls and um, but you know we've got a big game now against Waterford Monday um, the players will they'll come in to do the recovery and, we, and we'll get ready for that it's a massive game for us we're, we're solid at the back um, the boys defend, defend very, the goal very very well but um just probably going forward I thought we could have been better I thought we could have been better and you know sometimes we give away silly possession when, when we didn't have to um, but I didn't think we had a chance but we didn't take them but I just overall I just thought we could have been better tonight but most important thing is we had a clean sheet we get a point and we move on to a big game on Monday against Waterford that's it exactly it's going to be a massive game um, they're a good side um, you know it's um big pitch down there so it's uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a good game listen the boys will come in the weekend and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do a bit of training and we'll get ready for that game oh, we always want to be we always want to improve we always want to be improved but maybe tonight I just didn't think it was um, we were at it tonight and you know you get nights like that you get nights like that the most important thing we kept a clean sheet and um, we'll take the positives out and then we, we look forward to game one day of course and it's, it's like it's every game we, we have to be we have to be at it it's no matter who you're playing and no matter what sport you're at you have to be honest I mean if you're not at it you, you don't pick up your points you're, and um, I think Waterford were beaten tonight but Galway weren't out 1-0 so listen Waterford will be up for the game 1-0 so be a good game and you know it's um, you know, we need to come in over the weekend we need to get ready for it but we're still going there and we're, we're hoping to put on a big performance you know that's what we need to do but we need to do that every week you know is that we we can't just can't you turn up and you know when you know if it's, if, if it does not you know if you don't turn up and you don't you don't perform well you don't get your points like yeah. so um, probably a bit disappointing tonight but we just will move on and we'll, um, hopefully one will be um, be a better game for us. All right, Rory is on the line. Rory uh, nil all last night. Um, I suppose does it kind of feel like two points dropped rather than one point gained? Um, a little bit, yeah. Um. It's just it was just stereotypically just one of those games, Aiden. Like City could have been there all night and they wouldn't have scored. Um I think they were feeling the effects of not having a game last week. They went into this game five wins on the bounce and then when they had that break of a week, um I think it threw them off the rhythm a bit and it took them a while to settle into the game last night. Um oh, like City hammered Bray Wanderer six in the opening fixture. Um, and they went on to lose their first three. Now they've since recovered, and they're unbeaten in their last five. But scoring goals has always been a trouble for for Bray Wanderers. They've only scored five goals this season. Um, so it, it was just—it's hard to describe. It was—it wasn't uh, a good performance from Cork City. Quite obviously, I thought Bray Wanderers did an excellent job of nullifying Cork City. I thought they were brilliant first half, in particular. They employed um, a very high, very intense press. Um, didn't let City settle on the ball at all um, and that resulted in City knocking the ball long more times last night than I didn't do it um, in every other game this season um, their midfield three went toe to toe with the Cork City three of Matt Healy uh, of uh, Barry Coffey and uh, Aaron Bolger and they were just smothered any time they got on the ball um, they were man marked um, and whenever they got on the ball they were like they were just harried by two or three Bray Wanderer shirts and nothing was working for City through the middle 
Um, it was the the best chance of the, the, the first half fell to Cork City was when Matt Healy actually got a bit of time played a lovely ball in behind the Bray Wanderers defence just really unlocked it was a beautiful pass from Healy and played into Rory Keating it was one on one um, with McGuinness the, the Bray Wanderers keeper shot straight at McGuinness good save um, but that was City's best chance and you're thinking yuck, yuck, it's going to be one of these nights alright Like, and then you get the news that Galway United are, are, are winning a way to Waterford and that puts them level points with Cork City City have to get three points here and keep this run going and then second half much of the same City started very brightly in the second half um, started with a lot more urgency and uh, Bray Wanderers just soaked it up and, and they, they sat a bit deeper they didn't employ that high press as much in the second half which I, I guess is understandable because um, employing that for 90 minutes is very difficult it's a uh, very intense very high energy um, tactic but they were a much improved side from what I saw in that opening game of the season um, a lot better organised um, they were determined they battled very very hard they got performances up and down the park and uh, I think Bray Wanderers fully deserved a point last night I thought they were great um, a couple of incidents which we'll have heard uh, Colin Healy discussing um, I haven't mm. really heard too much talk about officials this year so far in the league mm. but uh, last night there was one or two um, incidents yeah, um, right at the end of the game as well. Um, to be honest, I thought the referee had a decent enough game up to that point. Um, he didn't um, like there wasn't like it, it wasn't a dirty game by any means. He let the game flow, and I, I didn't even notice him for most of the game until uh, time added on. Um, he only plays two minutes. Of time added on uh, at the end of the ninety, which is a bit wasn't I thought three would have been enough. Um, and then there was a couple of incidents. Um, the first Miss Rory Keating was pushed over in the box massive shouts for a penalty um, and then looking back on it you could say maybe he made the most of it but there was definite contact there where Wanderers player just barged him into the back and Keating felt contact and he went down I thought it should have been a penalty and then seconds later I thought City were going to be awarded a penalty and Keane Coleman was hacked down in the box um, but for some reason and I look back on it and I can't see where a foul occurred. The referee awards uh, a free kick to Bray Wanderers because um, it's uh, Blackburn was down holding, I think it was Blackburn was down holding his face after um, uh, kind of a, a tussle with Rory Keating. Um, there, I can't, I can't see a foul there, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the referee awarded it. He blew the whistle. Everyone thought it was going to be pointed the spot for that at Fallon Keane Coleman. But he awards free out, um, which was a baffling decision, I thought, at the time. Um, and then with the benefit of watching it in the replays, I still can't see what he saw to award Bray Wanderers a free kick and potentially all three, po- or potentially all three points then for Cork City. It was, it was a tough decision to, to stomach. But that being said, in the balance of play, Bray Wanderers deserved the point. But as you heard from Colin Healy there just a couple of seconds ago, Aiden, he was quite annoyed by the non-awarding of that penalty and the awarding of the free kick to Bray Wanderers. He couldn't see what happened there. I couldn't see what happened there and I've watched it six or seven times back since. Yeah. It, it, look, mm-hmm. it's just one of these things. I think these things kind of balance themselves out over the course of the season anyway, but it, it, it probably should have been a penalty. Um, but again, I don't want to take anything away from Bray Wanderers who, as I've said, deserve their point. Um, they were very, very well organised. Devlin did a great job uh, of organising them last night and... Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Just thinking of it now, yeah, it is annoying that that penalty wasn't awarded, but look, that's football, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And now we have the situation. Cork City are top on goal difference still. Galway United, uh, identical records, uh, 20 points each. Longford Town as well, who've kind of... We were actually discussing them a couple of weeks ago, and they've really crept up. Uh, they're on 14 mm. points, two games in hand, uh, which if they won those two games, then you'd have three teams at the top all level <laughs> on 20 points. But it's certainly going to go all the ways down to the wire this season. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's got all the makings of a very exciting um, climax of the first division season uh, already. To be honest, uh, a friend of mine lives in Longford. He goes to see Longford Town almost every week, and he's said keep an eye out for them. They are very very good. They're a young team. They're working very very hard. And as you said, they win their two games in hand. They're eleven points with um with City and with uh, Galway United. It's a big week now for City Aiden as well two monster derbies to come in the space of five days uh, heading to Waterford on Monday never an easy place to go they'll be smarting after that defeat to Galway United last night so that's going to be a tough game for City and then heading to, to Cove um, for the uh, El Classic Cork derby as I like to call it yeah. no one else seems to have taken up that mantle so it's just up to me to, to push forward that El Classic Cork hashtag but that'll be another tough game because Ramblers have had a poor start to the season and uh, another defeat for them last night uh, against Wexford they are struggling massively but you had better believe that they would be fired up and ready uh, for that game there should be a massive crowd as well for it I think yes, it'll been allocated a thousand tickets uh, for that game that'll be a big Cove crowd as well um, St. Comets Park is going to be rocking on Friday night absolutely rocking I cannot wait to get down to Comets Park on Friday because it's going to be a great occasion Pats in Coleman's Park uh, two teams going at it uh, on that tight pitch and with the fans right on top it's got all the makes and makings of being uh, a great game and uh, as I say Cove Ramblers have to find something from somewhere uh, to get back uh, and, and start picking up some results because look uh, it's it's going to be a long season for them at the bottom end of the table if they can't start uh, picking up some results and kind of just staying in around that promotion hunt they're already drifting well away from that um, that top five spot so a lot of work for Darren Murphy doing the training pitch this week ahead of that City game but as I said they are going to be fired up going to be ready and it's got all the makings for Classic and Friday yeah, like yeah, just looking at, at Cove Ramblers quickly, 4-2 last night away to Wexford, I suppose the positive that they got the couple of goals, but another game where they've conceded four, like two games in a row, so it's a bit worrying. Yeah, I suppose it's it, it, it was always going to be a tough job for Darren Murphy, like he came in last year to replace Stuart Ashton and had a tough uh, end to that season and there was a lot of optimism, a lot of hope uh, for Ramblers going into this year, of course their centenary year, club founded in 1922, so there was um, a lot of hopes that Ramblers put together a promotion push it's not looking likely the way things are going at the moment um, so it, it remains to be seen what Darren Murphy and his team can do down there to, to turn things around because they have to turn things around because it'll be um, a very long very tough season for them if they don't but what better way to do it then though against Cork City against your, your bitter rivals on Friday night um, got the makings uh, of what should be a good game of football and um, a good atmosphere a good advert for, for football in Cork um, fingers crossed anyway but um, it, two teams needing results for two different reasons on Friday night and it, it, it should be a cracker Absolutely definitely Friday night's going to be a big one Rory thanks a million and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you good luck <laughs> Cheers buddy <laughs> 
don't know what I found so funny there about my attempt at an outro. Um, just watching the uh, Tyrone Fermanagh game here. Ty- or Fermanagh leading Tyrone, the Iron Champions, three points to two with 18 minutes gone. There's no nets behind the goals at Brewster Park and Fermanagh. Easily known there's no Harlem played there. I don't really understand still, though, with the football. Like, surely they're. they're Tallying up a nice uh, bit of coin uh, but all, losing all the footballs. Those footballs are expensive as well. I think they're like, they're like 50 or 60 quid a pop. So uh, those O'Neill's footballs. Uh, yeah, don't can't understand that. Uh, to be honest with you, that'll just tell you uh, the game has not been great if I'm noticing there's no nets behind the goals. But at least there was a shot taken, I suppose, for me to realise that. Uh, uh, Tyrone back to full 15 uh, now as well also. But uh, yeah, three points to two. Uh, not great viewing, I have to say. And uh, it's uh, people were saying that Ulster Championship was kind of coming back into life. And I suppose it will be the likes of Armagh much uh, more exciting to watch, to be fair. Um, this one, uh, good old traditional Ulster game, I have to say. Uh, Rockmount are into the FAI Centenary Intermediate Cup Final they defeated Maynooth University Town 3-1 at Rockmount Park it's their first final since 2018 no it's not 2018 it's their first final since 2008 Uh, obviously a lot longer than 2018 John O'Shea was there and spoke to Rockmount boss Edward Kenny Hi Sam, right Eddie, um, Kenny, Rockman manager uh, into the FBI Intermediate Cup final so how much shows that means Rockman? Yeah look it's a huge huge, um, huge achievement for the team for a club somewhere over the maybe the late 90s early 2000s it was probably somewhere that we were probably regularly competing around uh, we say fortunately today we won we've lost the last two, two semi-finals so look it's huge for the UCSL numbers people out here the Cork community again in fair football community are out here again today yeah. and we've got good huge support so uh, look at the lady for the players and fairness first and foremost that's what matters yeah and just on your overall performance you know obviously you in the head then maybe new level maybe new level and then you show kind of good character to go back in front and to, to see the job out yeah in fairness to the lads all season any time we have gone behind they're, they're, they've shown character to come come from behind because those are the games we've done it um, and I think first and foremost for me it always comes back to training trying to train hard since pre-season come May 15th which is the final we won't be far off a whole year of training so the lads have played that and look hopefully they, 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 they get the fruits of the rewards yeah and the Drake's obviously like Luke Casey he was in the Irish Amateur squad in recent months as well and obviously Nathan Bradley got the uh, own Murphy the first had the penalty to all the awards were taken with one day yeah definitely look the three lads that were called up into the Irish squad and showed you why they're up there do you know what I mean they've been performing but not alone the three of them you know Jason Sexton at the back there as an unsung hero Kenneth Howie yeah. it's going on 20 odd years at this stage still a huge performance do you know so I know all of them from 1 to 24 to what's there have been phenomenal all year we just don't know yeah, you said one of the lads was uh, was he on the team that we were in back 2008 and you got the point was just, one of the lads just two lads still on the team from uh, that Ken Howie and Brendan O'Connell you played well today didn't you Ken Howie yeah. very solid done very well uh, Ken's, Ken's experience is invalid hope you win it now lads Ken's experience is invalid as he just goes straight without the uh, he's been there all 20 years he's played in I, I would say two if not three media cups so, you need leaders like that you do you do definitely definitely and they've been there you you don't even come on in the second half there you you probably played in four four or five different things that happened there as well over the years so 
definitely that experience makes a difference. Yeah, and so obviously the final, how, many, how much would it mean to yourself and to Rockmoon now to go on to win it now after you join? Yeah. Ah, look, we've a busy, we've a busy four to six weeks ahead of us. We'll park the Intermediate Cup final now. That'll be pushed away for a month away. We blew well next week, who are in the final, but we have them in the FA Senior Cup next week. But the next thing our focus moves on to Middleton on uh, Wednesday night. Um, with four league games left, and we have to try to win that and get to get that where the focus will be for the next yeah. few weeks. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely uh, right across the board, and I suppose in all competitions, the league and the cups, overall, I suppose the manager must be very pleased with how this side has been performing right through the year. Yeah, definitely, we have been performing, we have been pleased. There's probably one or two trophies we probably feel that we probably left on the table at this stage, but look. The league is a bread and butter, and next after that is the Intermediate Cup, and if we can get to two of them, it'll be a huge job, but that's a long way away. Yeah, John O'Shea there speaking to Rockmount boss Edward Kenny. For men, I've kicked into a bit of gear. Five points to two now. They must have heard me. Uh, Westmeath, uh, two points down. Only on Kilkenny, uh, 112 to 13 in Mullingar. Uh, later on in the Champions Cup, Ulster take a six-point lead into their second leg against defending champions to lose. That's 8pm kickoff at Kingspan Stadium. Joy Carberry starred with a try and four penalties. And he was asked to do it and he delivered. Munster booked their place in the quarterfinals of the Champions Cup. 26-10 victory over Exeter. This is how BT Sports Nick Mullins calls the final stages. Clocks in the red. The songs are being sung. And Munster are into another Champions Cup quarter-final. In the end, Exeter did not stuff the cushion enough in Devon last weekend and they were overhauled. And Johan van Graan, with the biggest of smiles, can look forward to that quarter-final, either in Belfast against Ulster or back here in Limerick against the defending champions Toulouse. Either way, that felt like a little European classic. Old-fashioned stuff. And the old days being recalled here in Limerick today. It's not for Exeter. Exeter's wait for a second... European Cup will bleed into another season but maybe, maybe for Munster they've done the job today and they have beaten the English side by 26 points to 10 Yeah, and man of the match was the Munster legend Peter O'Mahony here he is speaking after the game Peter, enormous congratulations that was a warrior-like performance from Munster sum up your emotions if you can Look, I think that's what it takes against um, a side like Exeter, you know. With, put us under a lot of pressure, obviously, in the last game. Five points down, we knew we'd come in and, and go after the game. And I thought we did that in the first half, particularly. Um, but we knew we, we had to be we had to be at our best to, to beat a side like Exeter by more than five, you know. And, um, no, I, I'm very proud of the boys. It was, it was dogged. It was, certainly wasn't perfect, far from it, but... We stuck in there. Um, thought our discipline was better this week, and um, you know, happy days. It's delighted to to give a good day out to everyone. So thanks for coming. Yeah, the crowd played a huge part tonight. Twenty-one thousand here at Thoburn Park. Munster rarely ever lose at home in the European Cup. What sort of a difference did these guys make today? Look, it makes a huge difference. Um, we say it every time. 
you know, to have to have the backing when you're going into the corner, the proper noise is uh, is really special, and we're we're very lucky to have a crowd like this. It's uh, it's second to none in the world. So, great. I think they enjoyed that, Peter. You enjoyed the battle on the floor today. You always do. They've got some big boys in their back row. That was one of the big differences today. I think seven turnovers to two was the total end. How critical was that breakdown battle in today's victory? Yeah, look, last week we lost, we lost the turnover. Uh, sorry, we lost the, the, I suppose the error count last week was, was, was much in our, in our, much in Exeter's favour. And I think it's probably better looking this week. So I think we held on to the, the ball a bit better on top of earning some important turnovers. So, you know, that was certainly an area we looked at was, was holding on to the ball better. And, and I thought that was much improved. Well, you are the star of the match. You're through to the quarterfinals once again. Many congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, Peter Mahoney there after Munster's big win. That is it for us. We're out of time. Uh, hopefully, hopefully a big, big win for Cork is on the cards tomorrow. Um, as I said, uh, the, you know, we, we heard from TJ and from uh, Shawnee earlier. Shawnee expects a Cork win. TJ, of course, expects a Limerick win. Um, but uh, as, as, as I'll be below there myself uh, covering uh, the game for the big red bench and Rory will be along a little bit uh, later on uh, in the evening around 6 o'clock. He'll have plenty of reaction as well to the rest of the day's sport. But as I said, that is it for me. Uh, Stevie G is on the way next. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.